Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper, and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling, along with many others, that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets. It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects, and even more so, the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on the ledge of Web3. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris Harper. I'm the host of The Ledge. I'm here this morning interviewing Dave Krugman. He's a photographer, NFT artist, a digital artist uh, who's very influential in the NFT space. And I'm uh, super excited to get to know you better today, Dave. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to, to dive in. Well, uh, I'd just like to get started, everyone, the same way. I'd uh, like to just have you tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, wh- wh- how old are you? What's your name? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Yeah, sure. So I'm Dave Krugman. I'm a crypto artist. I'm based in Bushwick, Brooklyn right now. Um, I grew up in Boston, or a town called Needham, Massachusetts. And then I also attended Boston University. Um, and uh, I'm 35 years old. And I've always made my living kind of, you know, at the the, the bleeding edge of new technologies and, and network systems. So um, everything that's happening with, with Web3 and NFTs, um, it just feels like the world I was waiting for. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to, to be involved. Nice. Thanks. Uh, what did your parents do for a living? So my dad was um, responsible for the information technology systems at Boston University. And wow. my mom is a chef and, and uh, incredible uh, cook. Um, so I have a cool kind of mix of, of creative <laughs> influence yeah. and then also the network side of things from my father, who was uh, an integral piece of, of building kind of the internet as we know it today. Um, so I grew up with like, you know, the first Macs um, and, and all this early technology. Like we, we had a very um, uh, early introduction as children to two different layers of the internet. Is anybody in your family an artist like you? Um, uh, my sister is a very talented, um, she's a very creative person. She's not an artist by trade though. She is a, uh, runs a consultancy, but she's a much better illustrator than I'll ever be. She, she does these like incredible, uh, watercolors and, and stuff like that. So there's definitely a lot of creativity within the family. And yeah. also my father is a, is a hobbyist, um, photographer as, as was my grandfather. And the two of them had a dark room in their house. And I just really do feel like there's um, like the craft is definitely uh, in the blood. For sure. And you said you, uh, you went to school in Boston. Can you tell me about your education? Yeah. So I actually studied psychology, um, which, you know, I basically did because I didn't know what I wanted to major in. I always wanted to be a photographer since I knew the first time I ever picked up a camera and uh, I had an opportunity to, you know, go to Boston University and, and get a great education, but I didn't really want to study art. Um, so I, I ended up studying psychology, which was a huge boon because it actually taught me everything I needed to know about communities um, and, you know, the way to use networks to reach vast audiences of people. And so a lot of my 
um, ability to to build these networks and, and succeed in different layers of the internet has to do with my understanding of evolutionary psychology. And also your connection with people. I mean, artists, you know, the part of like being an artist is like your connection to other people and like creating some emotion. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. What I've learned over the years and operating and again, I keep saying different layers of the internet, but that's really what I mean is that all in my in my estimation, all value uh, is rooted in community. Um, money, you know, is uh, a token by which we move like favors, community favors across time and space. And NFTs can be that as well. And so basically, if you're an NFT artist, you're almost, um, you know, controlling your own economy. And the value of those pieces is kind of determined by your ability to, you know, connect to other human beings. So that's really how I think about all this. So the terms crypto artist and NFT artist haven't been really, haven't been around that long. We're just talking about stuff that's like pretty new for most people. So mm-hmm. you started as an artist prior to that. What were you doing before NFT art and crypto art was a thing? That's a great question. First of all, I'll just say, well, I'll have the opportunity. I, I much prefer the term crypto artist. Um, I think I think that NFT artist is so broad as to mean almost nothing. And, you know, it's, it's one of those words like um, content creator or like influencer. It's like it, these... They're so they're so broad. So I do every time I get the chance, I try to nudge. I'm like nudge. I want to nudge the community towards using crypto artists because I think crypto artist comes with um, a certain ethos about being like a sovereign individual, and it comes with like the the kind of um, decentralization like ethos. And I think NFT artist is more talking about like the actual underlying technology, the tool, mm. less about the ethos. I'm glad you brought that up. I struggle with that myself. I've been calling everybody digital artists because I hate to say NFT artists for the same reason you do. And so crypto artist actually makes sense. I, I like to hear Yeah, that and that's what like a lot of the OGs who, you know, started selling on Super Rare and, you know, a lot of the big OG collectors who really helped define what the space is and define that ethos are pretty pretty militant about calling it crypto art and not uh, not NFT art. Um, but I mean, that's just a small point. Um, before, uh, to address your original question, before, uh, I got into, um, crypto art, I was making my living in web two. So I was, uh, I, I, over many, many years, I built up large audiences online. Um, Instagram was my biggest platform and brands would basically pay me in order to create content for them and to distribute that content to my audiences. Um, so I was b- basically in a, in a community-based system, except that the currency of that economy is attention. And attention is actually a, a terrible uh, currency. Um, one reason that it's terrible is it does not really align incentives within the community. Um, if somebody else is getting attention, I'm losing attention. It's a, it's a very uh, uh, zero-sum game. And it kind of we see this more than ever today too. It kind of is this rush to the middle, this rush to the average where, you know, the most shiny objects, no matter what it is, get the most attention. And then the algorithm rewards those. And it's the self-perpetuating system. It's kind of circadian cycle of, of just churn and burn of content. And the way to thrive there is to be repetitive and to copy everyone else and, and like, you know, regress to the mean. Um, but all the interesting things in the world happen on the fringes and there's a lot less attention there. And what I love about the adjustment to the NFT world is that uh, NFTs are a tool to align incentives within communities. 
And so like if, you know, I've released a thousand pieces for my collection drip drop and I have, I think I have like almost, I think there's almost 600 unique holders there. And so like I have 600 advocates, you know, that are believe in my project. They have an equity in my project. They have an actual stake in my success as an individual and my happiness and my ability to build community. And like, they're betting that I, there's a future there. Um, and, uh, versus social media where all I have from somebody is their attention which is a very easy thing to lose and a very easy thing for people to walk away from. It's a lot harder to walk away from, you know, um, something that you have an actual like significant monetary investment in. And so I think it's, uh, NFTs are kind of helping me renegotiate my relationship with the internet and, and put it in a much healthier, uh, light. Do you have a fine art background at all? I do not. No. No. Did you ever, so before, before NFTs, were you ever doing shows like in galleries or any, anything like that with your, your photography? Um, a little like more informally. Yeah. Like I've been in plenty of galleries with my photos and mm-hmm. I'm, a, I'm actually a Sony alpha, uh, collective member. And so Sony would, you know, they had a store in New York and I would have gallery shows there. Um, but no, I never had access to the world of like fine art or gallery art, you know, Chelsea galleries or anything like that. It just photography in general has always been um, an underdog in the art world. Um, but even further than that, you know, people doing digital photography and you know, people who are big on Instagram platforms like Instagram, we're just we were just largely ignored by um, you know the traditional art world. And I think that right. right now there's kind of a big reckoning in, in the in the sense that we've been given a tremendous amount of leverage now because all there's these an galleries emerg- now, emergence, right? Yeah. Yeah, all these galleries are really like, oh my God, NFTs are a great technology for us to use, but they have no, like their whole model, I think is kind of, um, it's, it's, there's a a larger arc towards, um, I think less exclusivity in the sense that like, you're, you're never going to compete in the future with an open, like visible global system of art. If you have a one gallery in Chelsea that like you have to go physically to see the art there, like it's just the pace of that will never keep up with the pace of this giant decentralized open metaverse layer that we're all trying to build. This is like a frictionless global movement um, that moves at the speed of light. So like I, I just am extremely bearish on um, <laughs> closed door deals and extremely bullish on uh, open and transparent blockchain uh, trading and technology. I think uh, I think I'm right there with you, and that's why we're both here today, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you, um, you know, I, I, from my viewpoint, and I'm, you know, the, this is my observation was that like photography was a little bit slow to kick off in this space. It seemed like it, t- it took some momentum, but it seems like photographers such as yourself and a few others are having some really great success here. Yeah, so I minted my first. Uh, NFTs. I was one of the first photographers minting on on ETH for sure. I'm not going to say I'm the first because I wasn't, but I was in the first batch for sure. What was the first thing you minted? I minted um, some high resolution Hasselblad film scans that I shot on my grandfather's camera. And I minted those on Block Party in early November 2020. Um, And those sold out. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. But from November until the next summer, there was really very little movement for photography. Um, and I took that time to focus on my other endeavor, which is called All Ships, which is my creative community. Um, you 
find us at allships.co. And I started just interviewing artists and, and trying to just elevate as many people as possible because I had a bit of a social media platform. And instinctually, I knew that, you know, if you spend, if you spend a year every day helping one person, when you need that one boost, you know, that one day where you're dropping your project or you're putting out something really important that means the world to you, uh, you know, hundreds of hands will lift you. you. You don't even have to ask because you spent, you know, enough time helping enough people. And that's really the ethos of, of, of my company, All Ships, and, and what we're trying to build there as well. So I took the downtime. The, the rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so I took the time in that lull. I, I knew that photography would take off because it's the perfect marriage with blockchain. I can get more into that if you want. But um, I, I took the time to like really like build my network. And then so when I released my project Drive, which is my collection of 111 uh, rare cars uh, shot over 10 years uh, around New York City and, and the world. By the time I dropped that, the demand was like insane because everyone knew how invested I was in the wider community. Um, and, and that's how I collect as well. I, I bet on artists that bet on artists. So I bet on people that are hubs in, in the network um, that are willing to, to put the work in and, and add value. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. So let me get to quickly just why um, blockchain and photography make so much sense. Sure. So in the, Bit- the Bitcoin white paper, um, Satoshi calls it a time chain and i think that's a really interesting way to like it's kind of a better term than blockchain even though it's like you know not quite the same idea but it's it it really is so what it made me realize when i read that was photography is a time chain too and it's a proof of work mechanism you have to go show up you have to do the things and you could look at each roll of film if you're shooting film as a good example as like as a block in the chain you can never go back earlier. Like once you expose that section of the roll to light, like that's, you know, it's like minting a block. Um, I think that's a really interesting way to look at it. Now it also like how is the, you know, value of our collective um, visual cortex of, of all the photographers in the world, how is like the significance and value uh, desig- or designated to the different images that exist? And that's kind of a decentralized consensus mechanism of like, okay, like this image of, you know, John Lennon and Yoko Ono by Annie Leibovitz on the cover of Rolling Stone is like an iconic moment because we all kind of together agree that that's like this, this beautiful, like human part of our human collective human story. And so the significance of the images that are made by photographers are kind of largely determined by a decentralized consensus mechanism. So I think photography is blockchain. And it makes perfect sense to me that it's one of the most popular categories now. It's in its perfect place when it exists on the blockchain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do you remember the first thing that you ever created in your lifetime that you can call art? I've had some good good conversations with a few artists about this. It's very that's subject. interesting. I, I mean, I've always been a, like a super creative kid, and like my parents were very, very like, you know, signing me up for all these classes, and so I, I took piano lessons. I'm trying to think of the earliest things. I used to do like um, tracing paper. I would like trace comic books and stuff like that. Um, one one funny thing, I don't know if it's the first example, but I think one thing that's, that would be good for this moment is I uh, was in a pottery class every week when I was a kid, when I was like literally like six, seven, eight. And I still, I'm looking across my kitchen right now and I see like three different bowls I made when I was like nine years old. I still eat out of every day. 
And so that's kind of a cool, like, you know, little creative moment that I, that, that has moved across time. That's awesome. I was talking to Michelle Viljoen for my first show. She's a photographer in South Africa. and uh, uh, She's a great friend of mine. Yeah, me and her were talking about this exact subject. And I think mine was pottery too, except I think I was making ashtrays for my mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm nice. a little older. I'm a little older than you, so that was like apropos yeah. at the moment. Everybody smoked yeah, yeah, cigarettes yeah. back then, so we're, we're making Hilarious. little ashtrays and painting them. Do you remember like the first? So you you were talking about your first collection. What what was the very the first thing you minted on the blockchain was the um, Hasselblad photos film is, scans is on that, Block Party, yeah, on on a site called Block Party. Where does that exist now in the world? Like, if I wanted to see that today, where would I go to look? It's on for the that? chain. You can you can just. Look it up on OpenSea, probably. Right on. I, I can find a link for you too. Some right of them on. are in like custodial wallets and stuff. So, okay. Do you know who owns some of those first stuff? Do you have? Yeah, a- Vlad Ginsberg, one of my biggest collectors, um, and the founder of Block Party, made a very early investment in me, uh, and then uh, some other collectors that still collect my work. Um, you know who has one is Alejandro, the uh, co-founder of uh, NFT Now, owns one of them. He bought it. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, Zanzibar, who is another collector of mine, and, and the uh, collector group called Guppy NFT, they own pretty much, I think they've they've kind of sequestered that whole supply. Guppy NFT has come up repeatedly on my podcast. So <laughs> Yeah, they're great. They're an incredibly supportive group of, of three collectors, um, Redbeard NFT, uh, W. Savas, and Zanzibar. And they help artists build um you know they help artists like elevate their projects to the next level and then they also do a lot of collecting as well so for example redbeard of guppy was my project manager for drip drop which is uh you know but yeah uh, it was a resounding success yeah you're i'm a holder of a piece of drip drop i actually oh uh, hell yeah I i doubt you remember this but you were doing a um like a an answer you were answer some questions in the 33 nft discord and you and i had a um an exchange i asked you some questions oh, cool. and as a as a result of that exchange somehow i got a i got whitelisted to to mint one of the drip drops from the original mint so i have that and i'm very happy to be an owner awesome yeah we had some big sales yeah. today somebody just somebody just bought one for 0.5 oh that's amazing yeah it's so, done really yeah, it's well good, that, good that whole collection yeah that's incredible yeah i'm really awesome. i'm really really satisfied with with how that did do you want to talk about drip drop uh, since we're on that subject and just kind of yeah, tell us like, yeah, that's, it's such an interesting um, thing. Like explain what it is, where it exists, um, what your, yeah, just tell us about it. Yeah. So you can see it. First of all, you can go to dripdrop.allships.co where we did, you know, a whole custom build uh, to mint out the project. Um, a beautiful site. It's reactive to your cursor. So like it makes drips as you, as you click around, it's kind of fun. Um, now, I did this project uh, in collaboration with uh, an incredible uh, blockchain company called uh, Transient Labs. Transient Labs took my idea and just blew it completely out of the water. The pun, pun definitely intended. Um, I was extremely inspired by uh, conversations with um, Snowfro, Art on Blockchain, who you know is the founder of Artblocks and is um, the creator of, of the Chromie Squiggles. And I've been obsessed with that project, that ecosystem. And I was also very obsessed with um, projects like uh, Fidenza's and and, like, I just fascinated with the idea of generative art. 
And I've always felt that photography is a form of generative art. You know, I don't actually, I don't want to like get into a definitional semantic battle with a gen art purist. So I won't claim that this is a generative art project, but the idea is that like the universe is the source code and photographers live inside this beautiful, like serendipitous unfolding sculpture. And it's our duty to pull like those slides out of time and then show that to like an audience that's willing to like look a little deeper at the world around them. So when I was, I was like, I want to create an art block style photography project. And Transient Labs was like, okay, well, why don't we use machine vision to reverse engineer the rarity of, of, of like thousands of pictures of, of these puddles that you do. And, you know, so my source code is rain, uh, uh, puddles, flashing billboards, you know, and then all the, you know, the, the shutter speed, the aperture and everything else that I, that I determine kind of creating an algorithm that, that just generates these beautiful works of art, um, which are, you know, now in drip drop. And so they, they wrote a, a machine vision algorithm that it counts every drop. It breaks down each, um, it breaks down the chromatics of each drip so that you can go to dripdrop.allships.co. You can type in any token ID, you know, from one through a thousand, and it'll tell you the entire um, breakdown of the rarity of your drip, the specific data. And now we have just added every single um, iteration that the machine vision created in order to determine the rarity. So if you go there and you look below the drip that you loaded, you'll see the drop counter, you'll see the edge maps, you'll see the chromatic breakdowns and, and the shadow versus light maps as well. And yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty much what Drift Drop was. We were able to do, you know, very, very well uh, in the initial sale. And also we've, we've done, you know, over 200 ETH in secondary sales as well. So it's, it's, it's very healthy and I'm very happy. Yeah, that's an it's an incredible project, and I mean, how does that come out of your mind? Like, you know, I, I guess you <laughs> you talked about being you know plugged into like tech tech and you know computers and all, all this stuff because of your dad and growing up with that, but like to go from from being a digital photographer to creating something that complex, like how can you just walk me through that process in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a fascination with the potentials and possibilities of a new of a new technology layer. And what I realized was, you know, I, I released a few things, then I released some, some work on Super Rare, and my my momentum was very slow. And so I started to think, okay, why is like what do I need to do to like accelerate um, my art in this space? And I decided that if every collector is an advocate and an, you know an advertiser for your brand. You need more collectors, right? So you need sure. a lower entry point for people to become advocates of you and the work that you do um, and, and to be invested in you. So that's when I came up with the idea for Drive. Now, Drive um, was uh, 111 cars. I kept back 20 to use as incentive tokens to inspire the community to do different creative things. So every month or so, we do what's called a race. And uh, I do a photo contest and whoever takes the best photo in the style of drive, I send them one of the, one of the incentive tokens, which is a trophy car, which is like the most visually appealing cars. Right. So, so that project sold out instantaneously um, and the auctions went up to like 25 ETH. It really changed. Yeah. These life. are worth a ton of money. Like if you're giving those away, I mean, you're giving away. Somebody, yeah, exactly. Somebody, so the incentives are, are very, very powerful. Huge incentive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's one thing I learned from, from drive. Now, 
I realized pretty quickly because the floor on drive never dipped below two ETH um, in a year. It's been a year now. And I was like, oh my God, like I have an opportunity to, you know, 10x my amount of collectors because if my floor is that high, that means that people are like unwilling to exit my ecosystem. That means a lot of people want to enter my ecosystem. So I decided I needed to come up with a project that had like a thousand pieces in it so that I could really like any, basically anybody who wanted to enter my ecosystem. I think that when we minted, I think each trip was like 150 bucks because ETH was at $870. (laughs) I literally sold the absolute bottom of the market. So like for 150 bucks, somebody who wanted to be a Dave Krugman collector was, was able to, you know, enter the ecosystem in that way. The other thing that I did was I, everyone who had a drive car got free, a free drift. Uh, everyone who owned a super rare token got three free drifts. And I made sure that everyone who's ever supported me along the way got free. I gave away like 250 drips out of a thousand. And what that did was it, it showed, you know, I'm betting on the people that bet on me. And if you support me, like there will always be space for you in my ecosystems and you don't have to continuously like spend money on me to make, you know, to be a part of this thing. And so most of the drip, most of the drive holders are already even on their initial investment in drive because those, those I sold at like 0.25. Right. And now the floor on drips is like, you know, I don't know what it is today, but like, let's say it's like 0.3 or 0.4 and they could sell the free drip they got and they're immediately already in profit. And then they have no sell pressure on their drive NFT. And so like, if you, you can just keep building these rings out and the the inner rings feed you know the inner rings are always rewarded with the outer rings and then the outer rings feed interest in the inner rings and it's this beautiful ecosystem that you can build i love that analogy about the rings and that kind of coincides with the drips right because each drip Mm -hmm. is like a a ring (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. so you so what's your stance on the utility art utility debate i think it depends what you're trying to do i mean i think what people forget is that nfts are for everything um the deed to your house will eventually be on chain. Like it's just a much better system to keep track of data. Um, so, you know, when I think about utility, there's plenty of NFTs that are great examples for utility. Um, I, you know, I think that for drive, for example, if I have, we had over a hundred submissions to our last race of people sending in cards from all over the world. Right. So there, I created, the utility of that is that I created a hundred, you know, moments around the world where somebody did something creative. Like that's utility. You know, like I, you know, I don't think utility is like, I send you a t-shirt, you know, once a year. Like that's not (laughs) what I'm interested in. I'm interested in like cultural shifts as utility. Um, So I think artists should, should, you know, if you want to do a project and it's just about the art, like a hundred percent, that's enough, you know? But if you have an idea where you want to create like dynamic um, game theory with your art collection, like I'm doing with um, Drive and then with Drip Drop, where we have a lot coming up for Drip Drop as well, uh, yeah, I'm 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 into that too. But then my super rare works are just art. You know, I'm just like this is just art. This is my best of the best stuff I've ever shot. This is my legacy on chain. Is creating cultural shifts like your? Is that your drive behind all ships? Is that is that what all ships is about? All ships is about. I mean, yes, you could say that. Um, All Ships is about proving that a creative life is possible. When I was a kid, I was very convinced by the institutions that I was involved in, like public school and stuff like that, that art was a hobby. And 
it took me a long time to break free from that mentality. And I, you know, I'm, when I graduated college, I moved to New York city and I, um, worked as a retoucher in Annie Leibovitz's studio. And I saw like, not, not only wow, did I what see a, like, what budget, a job, man. <laughs> yeah. no, it was awesome. Yeah. I was a retoucher there. Um, through, through a family friend of ours named Alex Berhab, who was her, her assistant. And it was an eye-opening experience. Um, and one of the things that opened my eyes to was like how much money it, there is in the creative world. And then I started to realize like, you know, look around you right now. There's, there's every single object that you use was, had the touch of some creative mind. Um, I'm looking at my hard drives over here and I'm like, yeah, it's a beautiful, you know, there's like a, somebody designed this, you know, right. um, and it's very visually appealing and it's functional and it's this, you know, it's this beautiful balance of creativity and technology. Sure. So all shifts is all about making sure that, you know, the people coming up behind me who have that creative bent and don't feel like they fit into a, a typical nine to five role. Um, I want to make sure that there's, there's a clear path for them. You have a podcast too. I do, yeah. The All Shifts yeah. Podcast. Yeah. We took a took a pretty big break and I kind of switched more to Twitter spaces just so that people could listen in live. But mm-hmm. I do plan to to do a second season. Uh, we do have 16 episodes out and you can find mm-hmm. that um, at allships.co. What was your inspiration for the podcast? Like what was that um, podcast? I just love talking about this stuff and I love talking yeah. to artists and I love podcasts Same. and it's just, yeah, it's a no brainer. I'm like, I just want to document this history. We have incredible conversations up there. We have like a two hour chat with drifter shoots. Um, you know, Jay and Silva, the, the artist who onboarded me to NFTs, I have an hour with him. I have an hour with Moneris. Um, so many people, uh, so many interesting people, uh, and I feel fun. exactly the same way, man. I'm uh, I'm not an artist, but I'm an art appreciator, and I'm just a huge fan of like this whole technology and Web three and what's happening in the world. And that was my inspiration for creating this podcast was just to have conversations with people such as yourself. And like, you know, you're my sixth person that I've talked to, and you know, everybody's just so smart and interesting and funny. And you know, the the ideas that are coming out through these podcasts is just to me, it's incredible, man. Yeah, I mean, we're at a special time in, in history right now. So the people, you know, the people that you're talking to are the ones that are defining a new a new way to be uh, as an artist. Um, and it's a really, really exciting time. This doesn't happen that often that there's like a completely, completely paradigm shifting technology that comes and changes the entire world. I think we're in that moment right now. I feel that. And I feel like the, the, the people recording this history now, you know, it's, it's are doing a great work, you know, mm-hmm. so... Thanks for your time on that. What are you collecting right now? How how long have you been collecting art? What can where can we see your collection? So I actually started as a collector. I mean, like I just didn't really understand what NFTs were, and I decided like I need to immerse myself in it. The first piece I ever collected was uh, Jay and Silva Thank You X collab on Nifty Gateway. I'm familiar. Um, Avenue of the Americas. Yeah, yeah. Yep. That that'll never leave my collection. Um, and it's just a really important piece to me because it started this journey for me. On the same night, I collect. You got onboarded through Nifty Gateway. Yeah, yep. Yeah, the Fiat on ramp. I didn't even have a MetaMask yet. Um, now, the same night, I collected a, an open edition from Fuocious, um, which is also like going to be an anchor of my collection because it's like one of the earliest Fuocious mints. And you know, because of that, I like want another Fuocious drawing down the line, and like I just, I just love uh, what what he does. 
so much. So uh, shout out, yeah, shout out Victor as well. Um, and that really convinced me because I minted it for like 350 bucks. And then like the next day it was selling at like $17,000. And I was like, oh my God, like, this is insane. <laughs> so I was like, this is like a fun way for me to collect art in a way that like, I don't need to be like shipping and, you know, storing and, you know, making all these deals. And I just liked the, how frictionless it was. So that really got me started. Since then I've collected hundreds, hundreds of pieces from different artists. Um, I have, you know, a, a lot of Nest graphics pieces. I have a lot of Exulo pieces. I own a lot of photography. I collected Moneris's super rare Genesis work uh, for five ETH on, uh, yeah, on super rare called the sleepless awesome. soul. Wow. And uh, I really, really, um, my, my thesis is, yeah, I invest in people that invest in others. Do you still collect a lot through Nifty Gateway? Is that a platform that you use a lot? Um, I collect on Nifty Gateway when there's like an artist that I really, I know that there's like a specific drop. I don't just like cruise Nifty Gateway for for drops anymore. I lost like a pretty, you know, I like bought a lot of NFTs in the first uh, big hype cycle of Nifty Gateway. And, you know, I, I'm so glad I own a lot of that work, but a lot of those artists disappeared, never to be seen again. And, you know, it's frustrating to to have pieces that, you know, have just like people didn't back them with, with the energy it I'm, takes. To, to I'm asking build. all these questions for a reason. I, I found myself, I'm exactly the same as you. I, my first pieces that I collected were on Nifty Gateways in the same time period that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I had a very, very similar experience. I, I never want to disparage anybody or any artist or, or any platform, but I had that same experience where I bought a ton of stuff and watched it kind of go to zero, <laughs> you know, Yeah. but then I, but then I have stuff from other people that, you know, that, that have done, you know, quite well. And I'm, I'll probably never sell. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, not everything can be a home run and I'm, I'm happy, I'm happy to buy art and, and have it go, go to zero as, as we say. Um, I don't, you know, a lot of my investments in artists are not about profiting there. It's about giving somebody a little bit of support so they can hit the next level. Um, and so that's really my main motive, but it's also fun to play the game of like, you know, can I make a living like buying and selling art? It's kind of fun. <laughs> Is this person going to be here in a year or are they going to be here in five right. years? You know, that's another huge question. Do you have any speculation on the future for artists in the digital space and crypto art? How do you see this emerging in five, 10, 20 years? I think it'll basically be a parallel and um interwoven part of our everyday life like i don't think i I think it's additive to the art world i don't think that there's any sort of like need to you know compete um with traditional systems i think what will happen is like it's just like just efficiency always wins um for good for good and for bad and I think that this is a more efficient system for artists to participate in the economies online that they help create. You know, web two is a system by which we rent our identities from mega corporations and we fill their spaces with everything that makes them spaces worth being in. And then they turn around and sell ads against our audiences and our work. And they keep 100% of the profit. And it's, it's hundreds of billions of dollars. And, you know, artists have never had a, a fluid way to participate in those in those ecosystems. I think the best example is probably like what YouTube does. 
which is like they do revenue sharing with their biggest creators and people can make many millions of dollars on YouTube. But again, that's a huge, they're still making way, 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 way more money than the artists are making. And this is a moment where we now have leverage. We're like my fees when I sell on OpenSea are 2.5%. I get 97.5% to keep. And that to an artist who is, you know, like just trying to get enough money to pay rent is a huge, huge shift. And so I think that we'll just continue to move in the right direction here. But I do think we're on, we're in a long arc towards this world of decentralization. I mean, all of Web3 is, is actually built on Web2 right now. Um, you know, there's no crypto art world without Twitter. You think we're coming to a time when uh, the term starving artist doesn't have to exist anymore? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't think that was always this like romantic myth, <laughs> you know, um, that you have to suffer to make, you know, good work. I mean, you can certainly turn pain into, into beauty. Um, but yeah, that term never, I'm like, I don't know what that, that whole term is, but I, I do think, um, as things become more and more digital, we're, we're kind of like unlocking like an infinite, fertile ground for, for artists because every screen is an infinitely refreshing canvas. Um, and you know, you can walk to New York city and like, you'll see in the subway now there's like art, you know, on screens rotating through, you know, 25 different artists in an hour in a space that used to be a static advertisement. And, you know, the tops of every taxi cab, the backs of every taxi cab have screens with art on them and your phone and, and you walk to the airport and there's art everywhere. So my point being is like, there's more room than ever for creatives and there's more demand for visual content than ever. And I just, it's just a great time. Pair that with NFTs and it's like a really, really great time to be a creative. I will say it was a thrilling experience to be in New York City, uh, NFT New York, and uh, to see like all the crypto artists on all the big screens in Times Square. That was really- Yeah, it's crazy. But, but yeah, it was a crazy time to, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's such a shift from- uh, what things were just a couple of years ago. Yeah. Who, ins- who inspires you, Dave? Who- what artists do you follow? Who are you emulating, copying, following, learning from? Who- who's-, who's your inspiration? Um, I'm really inspired by like too many people to name, but I-, I will say that like JN Silva was the one who really opened my eyes to this world. Like he was able to explain it to me in a way that made perfect sense to me and gave me a huge leg up and I- was the reason that I was so early to this world. Um, and because everything's on chain, like I'm forever, like, you know, a 2020 crypto artist, right. Um, (laughs) that means a lot to me. Um, so he is definitely an incredible person. Um, yeah, I love the work from Moneris. I think she's one of the best photographers in the world and I'm I'm really proud to own her super Genesis. Um, mechanics wise, I was very drive was very inspired by projects like replicator from mad dog Jones. Um, and Mad Dog Jones is just always really um, somebody who I think is using the technology as a canvas. And that's something that I try to do as well, like with Drip Drop and with Drive. Like I'm, I'm using these, these deep game theory strategies to like keep my community engaged. And I actually can't wait to show people what we're going to do with Drip Drop. Um, but I don't <laughs> want to say any more on that right now. But uh, Okay, yeah. But um, yeah, Mad Dog was amazing. Um, yeah, Ex Sulo, I've collaborated with a bunch. I'm a huge, huge Ex Sulo fan. I think his work is just stunning and, and so fitting for, for this era. Um, I'm a big sci fi nerd. 
I'm a huge Exulo fan, and actually, he was one of my uh, first interviews. So uh, his oh, podcast yeah. will be coming out soon. Yeah, I, I had a I just a, an, an amazing conversation with him. He's such uh, a good dude. So yeah. talented. Uh, several of the people I've interviewed have brought your name up as an inspiration to them. So oh, that's you, very your, very, your name keeps honored. coming up. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a team who helps you? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. I actually, so I actually just signed to CAA as a. Uh, to represent me. So now I have like a formal agent um, in the sense like to What know, is CAA? Can you tell us who they are and like a little Yeah, bit it's, about a, it's one of the biggest talent agencies in the world. They represent a lot of musicians and and you know Hollywood actors and writers and they wow. basically help people scale. It's creative creative artist agency. Congratulations and to you, man. Thank you. Yeah, so that's yeah. actually not um I haven't announced that yet, but by the time this comes out, it'll be, it'll be public. Yeah, so I don't mind right saying on, right on. So that, that helps. I also have uh, Sterling Ventura um, SVS snaps on, on Twitter is my head of community at all ships. Um, and I also work very, very closely uh, with um, the guppy team. So Redbeard and, and that crew are also always helping me with everything and, right you know, project, project managing for me. And I, 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 too many other people, like I, I, you know, cool. can't name them all, but yeah, I work with, I, I identify teams I really like, and I, I make sure that everybody is paid and happy and we do, we do big ideas. Um, do you so. have anything that's going on right now where you're hiring? Are you hiring any positions or do you have anything open? I'm not, uh, not really. I think I'm pretty, yeah. I have a really nice team right now and I'm okay. very satisfied, yeah, but yeah. you know, we're always looking to hear from people who have ideas and, um, Sure. We're doing a lot. Like all ships, for example, we just did camp all ships upstate and we did, we had, you know, two days with 40 different artists at a creative retreat in the Catskills. And it was an insanely beautiful. Tell me about that. I want to hear about that. That's awesome. Yeah. So basically one of my theories in, in community building is like, you just need in real life experiences. Like it's not, it's really not enough to um, just have online connections. It's like, the, the in real life experiences are like rebar in the concrete. And so one of my goals with all ships is to make sure that we prioritize and emphasize in real life community building. So I bought out uh, the urban cowboy with a couple uh, sponsors as well. Um, but I put some all ships funds in there and I, I was like, everybody, like nobody has to pay, come up, you know, bring your, bring your wife or your, your husband and, and have a little romantic getaway with us. And yeah, we did dinner for 40 both nights. We did breakfast, lunch, we did hiking, sauna, swimming in the river. Um, Every room had like a bath so people could relax. And then at night we had concerts with some web, you know, web three artists that were playing music. And and we had um, F dot, uh, another incredible artist friend of mine brought up like a whole like art supply kit. And uh, it was just really, it was really fun. We, yeah. Brian was there. Oh, right on. I love Brian Brickman. Yeah. That's so Yeah, awesome. Brian is such a great guy. I uh I had a chance to meet him at NFT NYC. He's a he was a really interesting guy to talk to. I hope to get him on my show sometime. I'll I'll um I'll send him your name. Thank you. Do you do collaborations with anyone? Do you have anything? I do, like yeah. That? Yeah. So I have a lot, but um I'll I'll go mm-hmm. through a few. Um okay. I have a series I have a series with Xulo called Acumenopolis. And I took time lapses all over the world of cities. And then he turned them into, he's a CG master. So he turned them into like these um, incredible like cityscapes that are like futuristic, almost like scenes from the fifth element. 
Right. And then my friend Ollie, who's one of my best friends, and he's an incredible Web3 musician. He he mm-hmm. does custom scores and sound design. So we create oh, these wow. little vignettes. Um, so that's a Cumanopolis. We sold the first one for 20 ETH, um, February 2021. And we sold the second one for like 17 ETH um, that same summer. And we have another one coming out um, probably in the fall. With, uh, that's Mexico incredible City. those are those are really huge sales like uh yeah no it I mean, really put me on the map and i i have Sula to thank for that yeah i mean um, sales like that are pretty life-changing i guess for artists like you huh 100 percent. yeah and then i have uh i just i just did a, a project with an artist named ryan keely um and it's called voyagers and we're minting the second piece in a few days but we just sold the first piece actually to vlad for 10 ETH on super rare through 33's gallery Awesome, man. That's so, so cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. What are you currently creating? I know you're working on, uh, you said you're, you're still working on your drip drop. Yeah. The biggest focus right now that I can talk about, there's some secret stuff with drip drop coming up. Um, so stay okay. tuned, but, mm-hmm. but the, the public thing I'm working on with drip drop is I'm creating a system by which people can, um, log in and, and claim, a um, you know, for a, a fee can claim, uh, uh, art, fine art quality print of their, of their drip. Um, I'm just charging like the production fees. I'm not like upselling anything, but it costs, these things cost, you know, a couple hundred bucks. So I'm going to, if you forever, anybody who wants it, it's optional. You can claim, um, a really, really, really nice print of your drip that I've been. That's awesome, man. For the, for the grail holders. I just, (laughs) they're, they're at the lab right now. And I'm like, they're so stunning. I can't wait for people to see. That's incredible. I, I can't wait to get mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It takes a lot to like figure out a system by which a thousand people can order a token gated print. So like I'm I am asking people to be patient with me, but it's definitely coming. A lot of this art is so awesome. You know, I always, you know, have this conversation with people when I'm talking about it. I, I want to see it at my house, you know, like I have rooms where I would love to see this art hanging on my wall, you know? Yeah. What do you what do you think about the technology of that and how's that's coming along? Um, so I'm an investor in a, a, a technology called Atomic Form. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to be clear, like full disclosure. Um, but I yeah, love what yeah. they're doing. Yeah, um, they are. They create these screens that you you log in with your wallet, and it will only display the tokens that you own. Um, and I like that because it kind of creates an object that is like a forward facing version of your wallet. And the screen quality is just like astounding. And it's really cool because to see, you know, as a digital photographer and one who's made their entire living on Instagram for a decade, like I'm used to seeing my photos backlit, right? Like I'm used to seeing my photos on screens. And so I actually like this, the display technologies that I'm seeing come out because it, it's brighter, it's more vibrant. There's no, there's no like glare, you know, on the, on the reflection of the, uh, the glass or anything like that. Like you really get this immersive experience. So they actually just partnered, I think, with Nifty Gateway too, uh, on a big initiative, and uh, I'm really, really excited for everything Atomic Form for sure. Yeah, I think that that uh, I'd like to see that technology get a little more um, get a little more advanced. I I, uh, mm-hmm. I met some guys from Token Frame at a Moonbirds party in New York when I was there, and I kind of held them hostage for a little while because I I have this idea of creating a gallery, you know, in the city where yeah. I live. I live in I live in Charleston, South Carolina, and you know, oh, nice. You know, there's a huge tourist community here, and I think like a, a gallery where you could show off NFT art would be something really spectacular. But uh, but the technology is just not quite 
there. You know, the, the frames are really expensive. They're still a little, you know, cumbersome. I, I'd like to yeah. see that just a little more advanced, you know, and then of course being able to get it on our walls in our home. Yeah. I, I think that's coming for sure. I think the future is AR. So like, I think we, people think that like the iPhone is going to be a part of our life forever. I'm like, no, not at all. Like in five years, we're not going to have the screen. Like, I think we're just going to have kind of this immersive world that floats around us. And for people that are listening, AR is augmented reality. That means like, I guess maybe like looking through some kind of glasses or how do you see that? Oh yeah. Contact lenses or, you know, some sort of implant. I don't know what it will be, but (laughs) I do know that we already have that world of AR, but we just have to look through these tiny screens to to look into that world. Sure. And, you know, if you're collecting digital sculptures right now, 3D objects and stuff like that, like imagine that you at a, you could, at a, a dinner party or a restaurant, like everybody could log into your, you know, your wallet uh, signature and they could just see your entire art collection like on the table floating in front of you and it would adjust to everyone's perspective and where they're sitting. And- no, that's exactly. I mean, that's my idea. I just keep thinking like that's the future and, you know, we're, we're so close to it, uh, but, you know, there's still like a little bit of a technology leap to get from here yeah i mean if you went back 15 years ago and and brought an iphone 12 back 15 years ago people would wouldn't believe you um so you know it's like it's like a frog in boiling water like we just we just end up somewhere and we're like oh my god like we just take this for granted but uh yeah technology moves at an exponential rate and so you 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 can only bet on exponential change i agree what platforms do you use um to create your artwork, um, how did you learn to use those? What are you using to create art on? It's a great question. So, um, do you mean like minting, or do you mean like? Well, I don't know. You're, you're a photographer, yeah. What are you using? Like, what platforms do you oh, use? Oh, I use Lightroom, when, when, Lightroom, okay. and Photoshop. Yeah. yeah. How'd you learn how to use that stuff? Just teaching myself. Did you did you like do YouTube or did you go to school at all or do you have? Like, I, didn't, I didn't go to school training? for it at all. No, I just tr- trial and error, just playing around. Sometimes right you know, something difficult comes up, you have to Google it. Um, I did a lot of tutorials when I was like skipping classes in college. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so right on. yeah, I, I taught myself on the internet, and I I would recommend to any artist. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of reasons to go to art school. Um, but I think with the tools that we have available to us for free, if, if money is an issue for you, like I would definitely never tell somebody to take out student loans. Um, I just don't think that uh, you're getting what you pay for anymore at an institution like that. Um, unless you're going like really, really deep into some pr- um, niche profession or you want to be a doctor or an engineer, like then yeah, definitely go to, to the best school you, you can go to. I feel that totally. And um, I personally did not get a university education. I self-educated and have done Mm -hmm. pretty well for myself in life, you know, off of my, you know, the education that I, I got from just reading books and doing YouTube and all those things, you know, learning myself. But I have two college age kids, one's on the track to become a doctor. And obviously she definitely needs, she needs a university education, right? Like you can't mm-hmm. just YouTube become a doctor, <laughs> you know, but I got another kid. I got another kid who's, uh, you know, who I, who I'm encouraging, like what you're saying, like, just, just teach yourself as much as you can about the things that you're interested in. And, mm-hmm. you know, why accrue all that debt? Yeah. It just, I just think that, um, unfortunately I think the, our higher education system has been completely just like corrupted by, loan sharks and like 
I don't know. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I wanted to ask you about your process. Like when you start an art project, how does it begin and how does it get wrapped up and delivered to a consumer? I it kind of begins in my head. Like I, I come up with these concepts and I'm like, I just like let them marinate in my head before I do anything for a long time. Um, for example, drive, like I thought of, I was like, Oh, I want, you know, I want to release like matchbox cars, but on the blockchain. Right. So I used to collect matchbox cars. And as I let it marinate, I started being like, how do I make this? You know, how do I do something like mad dog does? Or how do I, how do I take this to the next level? How do I use the technology as a canvas? And I'm like, Oh, well, what if I make it a game? You know, what if I make it this metaphorical creative game? And what if the, what if the floor is high enough that the incentives become, you know, $10,000 every time? Um, that you can do a lot with that. And so by the time, you know, many, many months later, like six months after I had the initial idea to sell cars on the blockchain, um, I was ready to go and, and the team at Manifold, uh, you know, made a custom contract with me and like helped me really dial it in. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I have the idea. I, I gather all the work together. I make sure it's the best possible work that I can create. And then I kind of add these layers of gamification and, and pressure systems of, in the collector base. And then I release it. And then, you know, that's when the work really begins um, is because you need to show up for people and you need to be present and you need to, you know, you need to water your garden. And if you don't, you know, everything just goes to zero because nobody, nobody understands what you're doing. That's true. You're, you're obviously a really intelligent guy. How do you explain to people um, what, you know, what this whole digital crypto art space is? And, you know, like when you're talking about a manifold contract to a layman, somebody who doesn't know what's going on, like, how do you, you know, how do you explain that to people? Here's, here's the, the quick onboarding that I give to people that actually works a lot. Um, NF, like forget the word NFT. What we what the blockchain does is allows us to have digital objects. So now we can do anything in digital spaces that you can do with objects in the real world as well. And that's that's it. Like that's the thing. So one of the things that we do in the real world is we collect things, and we build communities around those you know collector habits. And it's, it comes from us. It comes from our environment of evolution where we were hunter gatherers. You know, we're, we are hard coded to. Um, get joy and, and um, uh, get a big thrill out of finding, identifying patterns and collecting items of value and bringing them back to our communities and providing to people. So now we're doing that same behavior, but just in this abstraction of it, because we have most of our basic needs taken care of. Um, you know, many of us do. I know that's not true for everybody, but sure. Um, but I just explain it that way. And I'm like, like, so as long as we have digital objects, anything that can happen with objects in the real world can now happen online as well. And not only that, as we move more and more into digital social spaces, our social signaling is increasingly moving into online spheres. So for example, you know, a lot of people buy a Rolex or a car and just to show it off on their Instagram stories. So like, you know, if I have a, if I have a piece of artwork in my house, um, you know, Maybe 20 people will come through my apartment this year, right? Oh, what is that? Cool, nice. The second I take that same painting and I just take a picture of it and I post, put it on my Instagram stories, thousands of people see it. And that artist can reshare it and gets that social clout. And this, this whole social signaling system um, is, is much more broad and effective than social signaling in real life. So if you're going to bet that we're going to continue to signal in social spaces, 
you should bet pretty big on NFTs. I agree with that. Somebody said to me once, um, dematerialized property, and that helped me like understand NFTs better than anything ever did. You know, like yeah, yeah, like you said, like they're objects; they exist, but they're they're but they're dematerialized. It's in the it's in yeah, the I mean, like, I, I just think there's this kind of like fetishization of physical of like atoms, <laughs> mm. <laughs> and it's like it's literally like you know. People are like, oh, but I really want like a physical print. I'm like, yeah, that's that's beautiful too, but that's a piece of paper with ink on it. Like, it's you know, it's not that precious. It's actually um, less precious because it can be damaged by water, by fire, yeah, exactly. by the air, you know, just exposure to the air. Like, you know, my point is, like, exi- at the end of the day, you're you're purchasing a concept, and it's just an idea of something. And however you recreate that visualization of the concept, I think all all is fair. And if it's on a screen, it's on a screen. If you want to print it out, it doesn't matter. Like you're still buying copies of a concept. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to, um, to talk about it. I wanted to ask you, um, your thoughts about like, uh, like how do you value your art? How do you put a price on it? How do you view floor prices of art in the digital art space and crypto art? It's a conversation that I've had with everybody so far and everybody's thoughts on it's a little different. So I'm just interested to hear what your thoughts are on that. My thoughts on that are like, it's about the health of your ecosystem. So like, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I have a collector and they come in and spend 10 ETH on me, like I'm not going to sell my next piece for one ETH because I want to protect their investment in me as an artist. And I, and I, you know, that's enough of an investment that I cannot sell a piece every day. I can sell a piece once a quarter and I'd be fine. Right. At that rate. Now, you know, I, I think that if you're a new artist entering the space and you don't really have, um, a big following and you don't have um, a reputation that precedes your entrance to the space. I, my advice to you is to start very humbly, <laughs> just get your work into the hands of people, you know, um, and then they'll become your advocates and, and they'll, you know, help you get your prices up higher as you build, but just build organically. Don't try to manip- don't ever try to manipulate your pricing structure. Don't, you know, um, don't make any shady deals with, you know, I've had collectors offer me all sorts of weird arrangements where they want to, you know, Oh, you know, I'll buy this and you promote that. I'm like, no, I'm never going to do that because you're like, this is a very important ecosystem that you're building and you got to make sure that it's, it's healthy and organic. One thing I've had conversations with just about everybody that I've interviewed is that the genuineness is something that uh, people, people, People know, people can just tell, you know. So, like, yeah. if you're a genuine person and your intentions are genuine, people feel that. And like, if you're an artist and you're 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 genuine from the place that you're coming from, like your collectors can people people just know. Yes, <laughs> I, I think that this is this is a space that like runs on vibes. <laughs> if you come with the wrong vibes, like you're just immediately like people smell it from a mile away. They're like, this person's a grifter. Like, don't follow them. Whatever. Totally, totally. The whole the whole thing is trade. We're all trading on culture and vibes. That's exactly yeah, what yeah. it is. This is t- which is totally different from any other metric in the universe. One hundred percent. What about royalties? What are your thoughts on royalties? Do you take royalties on secondary sales? How do you feel about? I do. That? Yeah, I know there's been a I lot think, of talk I about think, that lately. And yeah, I mean, this is another situation. Like every day on crypto Twitter, there's some issue that everybody has you know, an sure. opinion on, and it's just it's mm-hmm. exhausting. Um, <laughs> the royalties conversation to me is just a ridiculous conversation. Like, like people will use the platforms that like serve their purposes. 
So as an artist, like I'm not listing on a platform that doesn't give royalties. I'm not supporting that. For sure. It's that simple. But I mean, on OpenSea, you have the choice to not take royalties if you don't want to do that. There's many reasons why people should do that too. I'm just like, to me, royalties are the thing that make blockchain technology an essential tool for artists. Because, you know, nothing makes me more sad than not to see like a Basquiat painting sell for a hundred million dollars. And the only people who profit off of that are like the lawyers and, you know, the the seller. Um, and no money goes to his estate. Just one example. But no, it's a great if example. Artists can, if artists can participate in the economies that they create throughout their life, then yeah, we're going to have a much healthier creative class. Yeah. And, and it, I think that's it, really, exactly. Really it, it, it incentivizes artists to create art uh, and, yeah. it, uh, and it and it adds to the evolution of art and makes art that much better for a hundred percent yeah 100%. i think we're uh, pretty close to the top of the hour dave thank you so much for your time it's been an extremely informative and interesting conversation with you is there anything that i didn't ask you that you would like to say about yourself hmm um no i just like to say to the listener if you have a creative spark in you you know keep blowing on it and uh there's definitely space for you how can people find you and what's the best way to locate so yeah definitely the best place to follow me in regards to this the context of this conversation is on twitter so i'm dave underscore krugman k-r-u-g-m-a-n um and then through there you can find my link tree which is linktree.com slash dave krugman and that has links to every my entire online ecosystem so all my socials all my collections all ships, um, everything. Yeah. So just get a hold of me and, and follow along on the story on Twitter and we're, we're going to keep building. This is a lifetime, a lifetime of work for me. So I'm, I'm very excited to be involved. Thank you so much for your time, Dave, and congratulations on all your great successes. And, uh, I, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. It was an honor to, to be on your podcast and I, I can't wait to put this out to the world. Thank you me too. so much. <laughs> Thank you. My name's Chris Harper, and this has been another episode of The Ledge. So I'd like to thank my guest today, Dave Krugman. You can find me on Twitter at Harper underscore underscore Chris, or you can catch me on Instagram at ChrisHarper.eth. I look forward to catching all of you out here on The Ledge, and we drop our new shows every week on Tuesday. And it would be great if you're listening to the show and you like it, you could go on Apple podcast and give us a rating and a review or if you're listening on spotify you could give us a a rating or a review there that would be greatly appreciated thanks everybody for listening